We are in part three of our series called Long Story Short, and I mentioned it a little bit already. We are taking seven weeks and just going over the kind of the main storyline of the Bible. Um, and so the first two weeks, we didn't get very far, but we're going to pick up the pace. Um, so just a little bit of a recap. In the first two weeks, here's what we have talked about. Genesis is the start of human history. God is the creator. God created everything. Mankind is fallen. Sin has entered the world, and God wants to redeem that relationship. That's kind of the main story. That's what we have going on. God created us to have a relationship with him. Our sin has put a, an obstacle there, and now God is redeeming that relationship. He made a covenant with Abraham way back in Genesis. He said, Abraham, you're going to have a son, and your descendants will be so numerous, they will form a great nation, and that became the nation of Israel. And we go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. Joseph gets thrown uh, sold into slavery in Egypt, and Joseph is a slave in Egypt, but he rises to power and prominence in Egypt. And then there's a great big famine, so all of Joseph's brothers, the other 11 of his brothers, they come to Egypt as well, and that is where we have the start of the Israelites kind of settling in Egypt. And at the start of Exodus, we learn that there is a new ruler that came into power in Egypt, and he didn't like these Israelites. He thought they were a threat. They were obviously blessed and prosperous, and he said, we got to wipe this out now. So he turned them into a slave nation, and Israelites overnight went from prospering, freedom, living in Egypt to becoming slaves overnight. And God called a man named Moses, and this is where we left off last week, where Moses, God appeared to him in a, in a burning bush. God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to go and I want you to go to Pharaoh, the ruler in Egypt, and I want you to say, God says, let my people go. That's where we left off. That was the cliffhanger we left you with last week, okay? So that was the end of part three or part two. Got you all up to speed. Here comes the theme music for our movie show, right? We got a movie show, TV show. I feel like the Hawaii Five O theme should be coming on right now or something like that. But that's where we let, left off last week. And now... Part three of Long Story Short. By the way, we have these timelines which you could take with you today. We designed these basically a, a timeline of history through scripture. So all the books of the Bible are listed in there. You can kind of see dates, kind of see some of the main uh, activities and thing, events that happened. So if you would like one of these, I find this stuff super interesting and hopefully you do too where I can kind of see the whole story and be like, oh, I'm reading this. And this is kind of where I know it fits, so it makes a little bit of sense. We watched a movie the other night at home, and we missed the first 20 minutes of it. And it came on TV, and we said, well, let's watch it. And we, and we watched it, and we're like, oh, that was good. But then it came on again after on the same channel, so we watched the first 20 minutes. And we said, oh, it makes so much more sense now. That guy was in it the whole time. Like, it was one of those movies. Like, now, now that we know what the story is about, we're like, oh, it kind of helps to know those things. So that's what we're trying to do in this series. All right, so we're picking it up today. God has called Moses to go to Pharaoh. And you would think that for Moses, if you're Moses, think about this. You're, you're minding your business, and there's a bush in the desert that's burning, but it's not burning up, which it usually would. And the voice of God comes speaking to you and says, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You would think that would be enough for most Guys, hopefully we would say, okay, that's enough. God is speaking to me. I'm going to listen to what God says. But not with Moses. 
Moses has a thousand questions. Moses follows up with, ah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if it doesn't work? What if they say, who sent you? Who am I going to say? All these things. So much protesting going on from Moses. And God is patient. It's almost like you're taking your cell phone away from a 13-year-old in your house. Like that much protesting. Like how in the world is, this, is my life going to go on kind of thing. This is Moses when God calls him to go to Pharaoh. But eventually, God performs a, a number of miracles. You can read about this in the start of the book of Exodus. God performs a number of miracles to Moses just to convince him, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's going to be fine. But Moses continues to doubt, continues to doubt. And he'll, here's the big idea of our sermon today. Here's the big point of our message today, is that God simply asks us to trust him. God was simply asking Moses, just trust me. Just trust me. God is asking us to trust him, to be willing to obey, even in the big steps, even when it seems like this might not work out, even when it seems risky, he is with us, and he's asking us to to trust him, to say, God, you're with me, that's enough. Eventually, Moses gets there after his thousands of questions that he has for God. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and we're, we're running through this story, just kind of, you know, the, the high level of this story. There's lots of details in there. I'd love to have you read them. Pharaoh doesn't want to let his slave labor go, obviously. Pharaoh's like, I got this whole nation of slaves. They're doing all the work for us for free. Why would we want to let them go? So he says thanks, but no thanks to Moses' kind offer to let the Israelites go. And that's when God steps in miraculously and you've maybe, you know this story, maybe you know this story. That's when the plagues come. God warns Pharaoh and says, if you don't let these people go, there's going to be bad stuff that happens. And the first one, all the water in Egypt, which probably wasn't much because it's in the desert, but all the water turns to blood. So obviously that is a big hindrance to life as we know it. Then it's frogs. Then it's gnats, the little fly, and then flies. Like it's like not just Minnesota mosquito problem, like infestations everywhere, flying around, getting in your ears, you know, that sort of thing. Gnats and flies, and then all of a sudden the livestock, the livestock are killed. And then there's the plague of the festering boils, which I think was a grunge band from the 1990s, I'm not sure. I might have been to one of their concerts. Um, and then after that was hail and locusts, and then darkness. The whole land went dark, just no light at all. And still nothing, every time. Moses goes after each plague and says, how about now, Pharaoh? Would you let the people go now? And Pharaoh says, nope, not going to do it. So finally we get to the final plague, and God is about to send the final plague to Pharaoh and to Egypt. And God tells Moses this. He says, go and tell Pharaoh that this final plague, what's going to happen is that God is going to move throughout Egypt at midnight tonight, and all the firstborn are going to be killed. All the firstborn are going to die unless you let the Israelite people go free. And then Moses even says to Pharaoh, in fact, this is going to happen. And tomorrow morning, you're going to come running to me, begging me to leave, begging the Israelites to leave. This is going to be so terrible that tomorrow you're going to say, I give up, leave, go. So you have a chance now to avoid this. You're going to ask us to leave tomorrow, but you could do it now and avoid this whole tragedy that God is going to send you. God is warning you. You have one more chance. And again, Pharaoh says, no way. No. Now, it's easy to look at this story, and I've talked to a number of people over the years who their main hindrance to Christian faith is this. I've read about the God in the Old Testament, and he's mean. He is cruel. He is awful. Why would I want to love that God? And they use this story as an example. 
God says he loves people, but he's going to go and kill all the firstborn in Egypt? Like, what kind of a God would do that? And maybe you've had those moments where you question that. There's times where I have to read that, and I'm like, man, that seems a little harsh. And actually, I was thinking this would be a great, you know, series of teachings we could do in the future. Like, some of these really, really difficult questions, like, why why did God do that? And we're going to read some of these things like, man, I don't understand why a loving God would do that. But a couple of things that are important to note about this final plague, the firstborn in Egypt all being killed. Um, First of all, this is what Pharaoh did to the Israelites. When he decided to try to turn them into slaves, the first thing he tried to do was to start wiping them out. And he gave instructions, all the firstborn, all the sons, if they're born, you kill them, you throw them in the river. So Pharaoh had done this to the Israelites when he made them slaves. Moses actually was one who miraculously survived that when he was born. So what we tend to forget about God is he's also a God of justice. Our God is a God of love, but he's a God of justice. Our God is just, and he He gave justice to the Israelites. He said, you did this to my people. Well, this is now, it's coming back to you. But another important thing to note is this. And this is the bigger thing. When we think about, could God be loving if he's going to do this to these people? I always look at this and think, well, what about the state of the human heart that time after time when God is saying, hey, I want you to obey and time after time, we say no. And time after time, when something happens and says God, and God says, I want you to obey, we reject God over and over. Look at the number of times that Pharaoh could have had a change of heart. He was even warned before this last one. And over and over and over again, he rejects God. So I think the story is not so much about how could God do that, but about the human heart's ability to continue to reject a loving God who wants to reach out and redeem that relationship. So God instructs the Israelites as well as he was talking to Pharaoh, and he instructed the Israelites, and he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to move through at midnight tonight, and all the firstborn are going to die. But what you can do is you can take a lamb, and you can sacrifice it, and you're going to cook the meat, and you're going to have a feast, and you're going to have a meal together. But what I want you to do is to take some of the blood when you sacrifice the lamb and put it on your doorpost, the top of your door of your house. And tonight at midnight... When I'm moving through, any house that has the blood of the lamb on the doorpost will be spared. And this was the first Passover. In Exodus 12, we can see that. And God says, when I see the blood on the doorpost of the house, I'm going to pass over it. Nothing bad will happen to you. And that's what happens. The firstborn in Egypt are killed that night. And there's a great cry of mourning and sadness, obviously. But Israel is spared. And Pharaoh, just as God said the next morning, Pharaoh comes to Moses and says, I give up, I give up, let the people go, you guys can go free. This is known as the Passover. This was the first Passover. Death passed over the houses of the Israelites that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. This was the first time that was celebrated, and it continues to be celebrated today. That's that festival and holiday of Passover, we see that on our calendars, and that was the first one. That's why we celebrate that. It's still a prominent holiday in the Jewish faith. Well, Israel leaves. Pharaoh says, okay, you guys can get out of here. Israel leaves. But again, Pharaoh changes his mind. And as the Israelites are leaving, he says, wait a minute. We just let all of our slaves go. It's amazing that he doesn't think about, oh, good, we won't have flies flying in our ears anymore. It's we let all of our slaves go. So he gets the army and chases after them. So the Israelites, the whole nation, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of people at this point, 
are walking away, and, and Pharaoh, you know, I don't know how much time went by, but he starts to chase after them. Now, there's a great moment, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to jump through a couple books today. But there's something I wanted to highlight in Exodus chapter 14. As this was happening, as God is leading Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, he gets them to a point where they've, he kind of says, now go over here, now turn back and go this way. And the Israelites are, wait a minute, that's going back towards the enemy. What are we doing? And they start questioning. And fi- they find themselves trapped. They've got the Red Sea on one side, and they've got a mountain range you know, on the other side. And the only way out is the way that the army is coming in after them. And this is what happens in Exodus 14, starting at verse 10. It says this. As Pharaoh approached... The Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt? This sounds better if you kind of say it with the whiny voice. Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you thought you could bring us out here in the desert to die? What have we done? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Instantly, they start saying, we should have just stayed there. We should have just stayed in Egypt. If we're going to come out here just to get killed, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That's going to be a familiar theme throughout the rest of this message is the Israelites saying, man, we should have stayed in Egypt in slavery. Moses answered the people, verse 13, do not be afraid. I love these words. I love these words. This is Moses. This is the guy who a couple chapters before was giving God a thousand questions why he couldn't obey. A thousand reasons why God's plan would not work. And now we see how far Moses has come in his faith. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You will only need to be still. I love that moment, that confident faith. Moses has been through so much. He now doesn't question God. He just has that confident faith. I love kind of imagining that he's got a smirk on his face and he just says to the Israelites, Watch this. Watch what's going to happen now, right? Something cool is going to happen. And sure enough, something cool, amazing happens. The Red Sea parts. The Israelites walk through to freedom, and the Red Sea crashes down on the Egyptian army as they're walking through. God brought a mighty victory to the Israelites. They are now free. They are out of Egypt. There's no stopping them now. They've got the groove. You know, they're moving on to the promised land. The, God, the, the land that God had promised Abraham when we first started this series, Israel is now learning as a people, okay, we are free from slavery. We're on our way to the promised land. We're going to learn what it means to follow God daily, to live as his people. This is the story. This is really the story of the rest of the Old Testament, is God guiding his people guiding his people through the wilderness, through the Red Sea, to the promised land. God guiding his people when they become a nation with kings and judges and prophets and and when they're exiled and all of these things are going to happen. This is the story of God guiding his people and his people learning to trust in their God. And in that way, I've always felt the story of the Israelites had so many parallels to our faith. So like the Israelites, we were once bound in slavery. We were slaves to sin. We were bound in slavery. And then God miraculously 
brings us into freedom. That's our salvation experience, the Israelites leaving Egypt. And then it's just a matter of learning day to day to follow him, to obey him, to walk with him. So when you hear the story of the Israelites, when you read through the Old Testament, you can say, okay, well, I I now know what they're going through. And this is kind of a correlation to my faith and my ability to trust and obey God. So as we go on from here, here's a couple of things that stand out. So we've got Israel, they're going towards the promised land, God is leading them, and here's two things that stand out as you read through this in the first half of the book of Exodus. First, I mentioned, they start complaining right away. When the, when the Egyptians are coming after them, they're saying, Moses, you led us here to die. We would have been better to stay in Egypt as slaves. Then they're free. You'd think that they would trust in God's ability to provide and protect them. But no, three days in, they start complaining. What are we going to do about food and water? And the same words are spoken again. Did you bring us out here into the wilderness just to starve us? We would have been better in Egypt. At least there we had food. Again, they are so quick to complain and to trust, uh, to not trust in God. And I'm, I'm always amazed when I read that at how easily it is for us and for people to think, boy, I wish I was still living the old life. Right? I still wish I was living the old life bound in sin because at least I knew what I was getting. Now I have this thing and God's leading me through this. Even though it's in freedom, we think, boy, it's difficult at times. And boy, I wish I was back here in my old life, back as a slave in Egypt. I'm always amazed at our ability to do that. So we see first that they start complaining right away. And the second thing we see in the Israelites as they are walking with God through the wilderness is this. God sets it up so that there is a daily faith, a daily trust that is required. Every day, you're going to need to trust me. And so he doesn't give them um, the full plan. You know, he has a pillar of cloud. It says there's a cloud that kind of hovers over them. And God says, when the cloud moves, you follow. So they're like, okay, today the cloud moves. Well, let's follow the cloud. They don't know the whole plan. They don't know where they're going. God simply says, today, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me that I'm going to lead you today. The same thing with food. When they're complaining about food, God gives manna and quail. Manna is like, um, you know, when they're complaining about it, the next morning they wake up and there's like this flaky little bread substance all over the ground. That's manna. And every day they woke up and this was covering the ground. And God said, I'm going to provide food for you every day. And you, I, I, I... start thinking about like today that wouldn't work because of all the dietary restrictions. Like you'd have... Like, well, I'm gluten-free, so clearly that's not going to work. What have you got in a gluten-free manna? Um, you know, I'm keto. I'm in ketosis right now, so don't... I can't mess that up. That takes months. And uh, I'm paleo or I'm Whole30. There's probably some people who are like, I'm doing the Daniel fast. And everyone's looking like, who's Daniel? Huh? That's a little Bible joke for you. Sorry. That'll hit you later. Um, the, uh, they complain about food. And God provides manna, and he says this. He says, I want you to take what you need for today. Our tendency would be to think, I don't know when we're going to get fed again. I'm going to take as much as I can handle. Kids, fill your pockets like you're, like you're going through the buffet at the old country buffet one more time. Kids, fill your pockets. We're taking these riblets home with us tonight. You know, that sort of thing. God says, no, I don't want, in fact, anything more that you take, more than what you need for today, is going to spoil. Because God is teaching them, I want you to trust me every day. I want today for you to think, I trust that God is going to give me enough for today. And then tomorrow, I'm going to trust him that he's going to give me what I need for that day. This is a daily faith that God was instilling in his people. Again, the lesson that God is teaching is this, trust me. 
Trust me, each day, each day I'm enough for you. I'm enough for you today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow or next week or a month down the road or six months down the road or years down the road. You trust me for today. I'm providing everything you need for today. So go where I lead you today. Enjoy what I provide for you today and trust me that it will be there again tomorrow. This is what God was teaching his people. And we have in, and this continues on for a few chapters, and in Exodus 20, we have a big moment. So if you're kind of following the big story of the Old Testament, Exodus 20 is a big moment where God appears to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he gives Moses the law, the law. Now, we know the Ten Commandments. I mean, this is where the Ten Commandments come into the scripture. This is where God gives the Ten Commandments. But it's way more than that. There is chapter and chapter and chapter of law, of the rules. God gives Moses the rules. This is how you're going to follow me. This is what you're going to do for this. This is the sacrifices that you're going to make. God gives the rules and regulations for God's people. And a lot of it was regulations for the priests, those who would be in charge of the tabernacle. This is what you do for this sacrifice. This is how you make the tabernacle. This is what you build it out of the measurements, the Ark of the Covenant, all of those things. In Exodus 20, and really throughout the rest of the book of Exodus, God is giving the law. The rest of Exodus is that way, how to make sacrifices, um, all those things about the tabernacle, lots of details. In fact, the book after that, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, is a whole book about the law, the rules, you know, feasts, what, you, what feast you do when, what sacrifices to make when. There's a whole part on what to do if you have an infectious sore. It's in the Bible. You know, how long you have to stay out of the village if you're unclean. A whole book of stuff like that. If you've ever tried to read through the Bible, Leviticus is where you gave up. Because Leviticus is dry. It is rough. So we're going to skip right over that today. Because it is like... So you have the Israelites, you know, they're going, Moses is leading them, God's giving them food every day, and then in Exodus 20, God says, here's the law, and it goes for a long time. It's, you should read it sometime, sometime when you're already feeling really good and optimistic, but it's, you know, because it's, it's, it's interesting detail, it's, there's interesting details in there, but it's a, it's a tough read, it's a, it's, it's a tough read, so we're going to move right past that. But So we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, which is the law, and then we have the book of Numbers, and Numbers starts out really dry as well. It's like a census. It's like uh, Moses, who wrote all these books, wrote down, um, okay, in this tribe there was this many people, and they lived here. In this tribe there was this many people, and it was just... It's, again, tough. But in the book of Numbers, you get to chapter 13 and 14, and there's a really, really important moment that happens there. So we're going to highlight that today. So God has been guiding his people through the wilderness. God has been giving them the law, the rules. They've been learning what it means to trust God and to follow him. And he's been providing for them every day. And he gets them to the point where they're on the verge of the promised land. So this is it. God has been saying for generations, starting with Abraham, there's going to be a time where I lead you as a great people into the land that I've given you. And they're there. Moses has led the people, and God says, that's the land where I'm going to give it to you. And so this happens in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. He's guided them. He's put up with all of their whining and complaining. And he's brought them to the verge of the promised land. And what they decide to do is take one person from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, one person and they send them into the promised land as a spy, just to scout it out, just to see, hey, here's where we're headed. 
And they go in, and you can read this in, uh, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. And they go in, and they see a beautiful land. A beautiful land, it says, that was flowing with milk and honey. And I don't, the flowing with milk part, I don't get, because that sounds gross to me. Like, is it, is it warm? Is it, you know, running? Is it, it just sounds weird to me. But they also see, like, clusters of grapes. It says, there was clusters of grapes so large that it took two people to carry them. Like, that's awesome. And so they see all this stuff. But they also saw big cities, powerful cities with walls around them and armies. And they said they saw very large people, large, strong men who were soldiers. They saw a lot of obstacles. And so these 12 spies, they see all this stuff, and they return to the camp to tell the Israelites, here's what the land is like. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, two of them come back and they say, the land is awesome. You guys, you're not going to believe this. There's flowing milk. And everyone's like, yay. No, there's like, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful land. God has given it to us. Let's go. And the other 10 say, ho, ho, hold the phone here. We can't do it. There's powerful armies. There's obstacles. These cities have huge walls around them. How in the world are we going to do this? And they instantly start spreading fear around the camp and around God's people. And, the God, and God's people, again, start crying out, why have you brought us here just so that we could die in the wilderness? We should have been back in Egypt. Again, they're saying this. And so I'm going to read those verses. The book of Numbers, chapter 14, 1 through 9, says this. The night, that night, all the members of the community... This is after they hear the, the report from the spies. They raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt again, or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only, let us to, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. Like an insurrection here. Then Moses and Aaron fell down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, who's one of the spies, son of Nun, and Caleb, the other spy, son of Jephunneh, who were those among who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. And I love this line. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I love it because they still had their armies. They still had their city walls. But what, what they're saying to the Israelites is their protection is gone. In other words, we have God. What are they going to do to protect themselves against God's moving power? But it doesn't work, and the Israelites as a, as a whole nation, they turn and they fear and they refuse to go into the promised land, and God punishes their lack of faith. And he says, you spies, you scouted out that land for 40 days. Well, because of your lack of faith, I'm going to make you wander around in this wilderness for 40 years. And everyone went, uh-oh, and that's what happens. And the rest of the book of Numbers is Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. All right, so we're going to wrap up in just a few minutes with the book of Deuteronomy. The next book is the book of Deuteronomy. It's the final book of what's called the Pentateuch. Now, if you've, if you've been around church, you've heard that word. The Pentateuch refers to these first five books of the Bible. Penta is the Hebrew word for, or Greek word for five. It's 
Pentateuch, five books. Moses wrote these all. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the start of human history all the way to when Israel is about to enter the promised land again 40 years later. The book of Deuteronomy is after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God brings them there again. And Moses, God has told Moses, you're not going to be able to enter the promised land. But Share with the Israelites your final words because you're about to die and then they're going to go into the promised land. So the book of Deuteronomy, the whole thing is Moses giving his final instructions to the Israelites. The whole thing is Moses saying, remember what happened. Remember this. Remember God delivered us. Remember this and this. Remember the law. Remember to be faithful. You're about to go into the promised land now. Remember to be faithful to God. It actually starts out, the book of Deuteronomy starts out pretty funny. Um, In the first, you know, the first verse, let me flip there, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2. I love this. this uh, it says this. We can throw it up there, Deuteronomy 1, verse 2. Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by the way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. That's the start of the, the book of Deuteronomy. It's Moses giving his final instructions. It sounds a lot like what it struck me as is a wife giving the recap of the road trip after they trusted dad's navigation skills, right? Normally, it takes about three hours to get from St. Cloud to Bemidji. But six days later, thanks to my husband's navigation skills, we arrived. That's kind of what it sounded like. But this is Moses giving his recap. And so just a few verses later in verse 8 of chapter 1, it says this. This is Moses saying on behalf of God, See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers. Again, these words where God is saying, I'm the same God. I swore to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, all the people we've been studying in the last couple of weeks, and to their descendants after them. God is saying, remember what you've learned The time has come to go into the promised land. And so he goes on for the rest of the book, recapping, reminding everyone what God has taught them. And then he says this, and here's here's where it comes back to our big idea for today in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Deuteronomy 30, near the end of this speech that Moses is giving that takes 30 chapters of scripture. It's a great book. Moses says these words as he's wrapping up. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Moses is saying, I've let you know the truth. I've given you an option to follow it or not follow it. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. And get these words, for the Lord is your life. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the big idea again. Moses is saying, trust in God. Trust in God. The Lord is your life. The Lord is everything you need. He's going to take care of you. And he says, "There, I'm, I'm laying before you the choice. You can move forward and you can trust God and obey him and choose life and blessing, and that's not only going to affect you, it says that's going to affect your children, 
and your children's children, our decisions to obey God and to be faithful to him, I've said this before, not just affect us, they affect our children and our children's children. Your decisions will affect future generations. That's why we need to have as a priority in our church and in our families to teach the future generations about what God has done, about the truth of his love and his character and his goodness to us. And that's how the story of Moses wraps up. The, the book of Deuteronomy goes on for a couple more chapters, but that's the end of his speech. I've given you the choice. You can choose to obey God, or you can choose to reject God. And if you obey him, the Lord is your life. Everything you need will be found in him. But the choice is yours. And then it goes on. Moses dies a couple of chapters later. And next week we're going to start in the book of Joshua, where they go into the promised land, and they become a nation with a king and then it's the up and down roller coaster ride of their obedience to God. But I got one final slide we're going to throw up there. Long story short, here's our recap today. The story of the Israelites is our story of faith. We were bound in slavery and death, but God, in his mercy and love, allowed death to pass over us. By his mighty hand, he saved us and delivered us into freedom. And now we learn what it means to walk, or now we learn what it means to trust him obey him, and daily walk with him. So I want to encourage you today, you can trust him. You can trust him. The Lord is your life. The Lord is your life. You can trust him that today, he's going to provide what you need. He's going to guide you today where you need to go. He's going, to need, he's going to be everything you need for today. And you're thinking, well, what about the long-term plan? And what about tomorrow? And what about next week and next year and five years down the road? And again, we should plan and we can do all those things. But I found this week, every stress that I had in my heart this week was me getting ahead of today. Me thinking, well, God, what are you going to do about this next year? What are you going to do about this in three weeks? Or what about this? You haven't, clearly haven't thought about that, God, um, right? How arrogant of us to start talking like that. And I'm reminded again, hey, you know, talking to me, dummy, trust God for today. The Lord is your life today. He's what you need today. And I promise you, I look back at all these characters we've studied, all those, cho- all those moments where they had a choice to trust God and to move forward and obey. I think about Moses as the Israelites are walking through the Red Sea with a wall of water on each side. And a whole nation is being delivered into freedom. I bet, I guarantee you that Moses had a moment where he said, I'm so glad I listened. I'm so glad I listened to God. When he was calling me with that burning bush, I'm so glad I obeyed. Think about Joseph. Think about Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. All of them would have had a moment where they say, I'm so glad I trusted. I'm so glad I obeyed. I promise you. If you step out, it might be inviting someone to church. It might be sharing your faith. It might be a step of faith where you're thinking, God is calling you to do something. God is calling you to make a sacrifice or to make a commitment or to be generous with something or to get rid of something. And you are going to have that moment where you're like, can I trust him? I promise you, the day is going to come where you're going to say, you're going to see the fruit of that. You're going to see families being transformed by Jesus Christ because you had the courage to invite them to church, because you had the courage to go and share your faith with them. I promise you're going to have the moment where you say, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I did that. We are relatively young as a church, and I look forward to the days where we see God bring a harvest of people to salvation through the ministry of this church. And I look forward to hundreds of days where we're going to look at each other and be like, I'm so glad I was a part of that. 
I'm so glad I invested in that. I'm so glad I shared my faith. I'm so glad I, you know, trusted that God was going to lead. I'm so glad I listened and trusted him. So we're going to end with, um, today, we're going to end with communion. We haven't done communion in a while, and every couple of months we try to have communion together. And so in a moment, the ushers, they're going to come forward, and they're going to start serving, and Christy's going to lead us in some songs. But as we're getting ready to take communion, and I invite you, you are welcome to join us in communion. If you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to join us. Young and old parents, you can decide for your kids if, they're, if you want them to join us in communion. Because really what we're doing is we're taking grape juice and a cracker, and I don't know if it's keto or gluten-free or manna or whatever it is, so I think we're just going to have to trust it. Um, this is what we do to take some time to remember what was done for us, what was provided for us. Remember back in Egypt when God spared the Israelites because the blood of the lamb was on the doorposts? Remember that Passover? Well, Passover is a huge celebration every year throughout the Old Testament so that they would remember what God did. They would have that moment where they could remember. Remember when God provided freedom for us? Remember when death passed over us because of the blood that was on the doorposts?